Every new crisis is understood through the lens of the ones that came before it. And that's what makes the coronavirus pandemic so scary. We've just never seen anything like it. Investors are panicked and searching for answers. So what can history still tell us about our current crisis? On Tuesday afternoon, during a brief moment of optimism for stocks, I was joined by Barron's up-and-down Wall Street columnist, Randall Forsythe. Hey, Randy. Hey. I got to say, I've wanted to have you on the readback for a long time now, and I can't think of a better time to do it. Tell us how long you've been at Barron's. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> I've been with Dow Jones since 1980 and full-time at Barron's since 1982. Okay. Well, that means you've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. That's Black Monday, right? What else? That's Black Monday. That's the Asian financial crisis, 98-99, the dot-com bubble and bust, and the recession after that, which led up to the housing bubble and bust in, uh, in 08 and 09. And here we are again. And... Just tell us, is this different than them all? My life and career has been defined by various financial crises along the way. But uh, no, nothing like this because obviously this is, this is a public health crisis. It's not anything that started in the financial markets, nothing that was the result of various excesses in the financial markets. Therefore, the crisis can't be fixed entirely by financial means. So that's really, really different. And I, you know, I think the whole world is uh, trying to cope with that. Yeah, I, that, that's fascinating because I feel like we've spent the last week now or so looking at various incremental moves or two weeks, right? right? Various incremental moves coming from the Fed each time the market, you know, you think maybe they nailed it, and pretty quickly the market's telling you, no way, this isn't even close to what we need. Um, if anything, you're scaring us even more. That's the reason, but we're totally in uncharted territory. We're, it's almost like uh, we are in a war situation where everybody's in, in their bunker and can't do anything, and it's not in the control of the authorities except to tell us to hunker down. And the more we hunker down, to keep us healthy, the worse it is for the economy. Right. So this is the really unique thing. This time, we actually had a pretty strong economy. Absolutely. I mean, just, what was it, two weeks ago now, or less than two weeks ago, we got one of the strongest jobs reports ever. And of course, it means nothing because it was looking backwards. Exactly. And now, even, even the number we got for... Every week, uh, the Labor Department uh, uh, releases the number of people applying for for unemployment. Even as of uh, a couple of weeks ago, the latest numbers, uh, it, it, it was very low. And it, it's literally come upon us like in the last week. And it's almost like a cliche now when the NBA said they weren't going to, to play. That was like the tipping point that... Everything else, we were told to, to stop going out to, to yes. bars and restaurants. They can't go to the movies, can't go to the gym. Yes. And that's when it, it just hit a, a screaming halt. I was on the train coming home from work that night, Wednesday night, I believe it was, or two Wednesdays ago. Uh, it happened to be, it happened to ha come at the same time that we heard Tom Hanks had coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly, somehow, those two items, which in, in, in you know, seem relatively trivial, seem to just like, make it click for everyone. And yeah. I think since we've had, what, six consecutive days of 
four percent or more moves in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I, that's perhaps that, that's uh, tied to it because again, we don't know how we're going to proceed. Uh, we're, we're hunkered down at home, and we can't get toilet paper. Yeah, I mean, how crazy can this be? How far away from it's something that can be fixed by lowering interest rates and flooding the market with money? Uh, you know, the paper money now we want is uh, TP. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they, 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 the Fed announced a, a CP commercial paper facility. We need a toilet paper facility. I don't know. <laughs> Randy, that's, uh, that's, that's sounding like your next column. <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, I think that kind of sums it up, right? Forget commercial paper. We, we, we need toilet paper. And, uh, you know, I'm, even now, I'm, I'm actually, real, as we're talking, looking at the screen and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is, is considering having everybody to shelter in place. Yeah. I mean, not even, I guess, does that mean you can't go out to pick up your, your, your takeout restaurant order? I don't know. This can't be fixed just by financial means because it isn't a financially based crisis. But the whole thing is it's all seeping into the financial world because it's affecting everybody, how they spend money, how they earn money, or how they may not be able to earn money. Yeah. Okay. Well, I see the same headlines on my screen, and I'm looking right next to it, and we're, we're talking on Tuesday afternoon, and after the worst day for stocks since 1987 yesterday, stocks are now screaming. Talk to us a little bit about why, because there were some new movements from the Fed, from the Secretary of Treasury, and even from the President today. Why do you think the market's reacting the way it is? Well, it, the reaction today is pretty good. I see the Standard & Poor's 500 being up 5%, but that's about half of what was lost yesterday. Uh, so it's you know one step forward after two steps back. What the, the Federal Reserve did was really very technical. There's something called commercial paper, which is short-term IOUs, and that's how companies, a lot of big companies, borrow to, for their, their day-to-day expenses. Well, that was kind of drying up. This is the kind of, you know, one thing leads to another situation where if you're not sure you're going to get your money paid back, you're going to stop lending, and since everything happens almost on an overnight basis... You don't get your new loans to, to buy your inventory or whatever. Right. So, so for the Fed to say, okay, we're going to backstop this program so you can do this very routine day-to-day financing, which all of a sudden had come to a halt, that helps things. It helps a symptom of the bigger problem. Okay. And explain to us um, how the Fed um, being able to shore up commercial paper maybe is a positive for the market. Whereas in the last few last couple of weeks, cutting interest rates, which is sort of its typical playbook, um, and even buying back bonds, which it uh, started to do in the financial crisis, why why did those things not work? Excellent point, Alex. If interest rates are super low, and nobody will lend you money, you're still going to go broke. This is the big change that happens in a crisis. It's not that the price you pay to borrow, it's the total inability to borrow. And if you can't borrow, you can't uh, run your business, and then you might shut your stores, can't get inventory, and, and people get laid off. It's this whole kind of chain reaction that they, they had to stop. Just making money cheap didn't, doesn't do it. It's, it's making it 
the ability of borrowers to borrow and lenders to be confident enough to lend. Gotcha. Right. So you you don't need to just incentivize people to borrow, like you said. You need to you need to prod or almost force people to make the money available. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's that's a big big difference. We, a lot of these other in in really old times, you had a lot of these financial crises that were the result of the Fed raising interest rates very very sharply to deliberately choke off the economy because inflation was too high. If there was a time when inflation being too high was a problem. Now inflation is too low and is the problem. So you, you're like squeezing a hose and water is no longer dribbling out. It's easy enough to let, let it just start flowing again. This is totally different. Okay. All right. It's very easy, Randy, to every day see the up and down movements of stocks. And of course, in the last few days, it's been particularly pronounced. We're talking about some of the biggest moves in history. But a lot of kind of market observers, experts, insiders seem to be paying more attention to the bond market and what the yields for treasury bonds are doing, basically what those bonds pay. Why is that so significant? I think a lot of people obviously don't pay much attention to treasury mm -hmm. bonds. Is that even more important right now? That's very important, but all kinds of bonds are important. And uh, so let me explain first. When uh, people buy uh, any kind of bond, especially treasury bond, if they, if they pay a higher price, they're getting a lower yield. Now, it's that the yield level on, on treasury's got to be so incredibly low, like we've never, ever seen, uh, crashing down to 0% almost. In recent weeks. In recent weeks, when things started to get really bad. Why was that a bad sign? People are willing to tie up their money for 10 years for less than 1%. This has never happened. That you're going to lend your money to the government for 10 years for less than 1% means that you think that returns are going to be so bad and that you just want to get your money back. You know, Will Rogers had this old saying in the Depression, I don't care about the return on my money. I want the return of my money. It's this real real lack of confidence that, that has investors uh, accepting such a ridiculously low yield. On the other hand, other bonds that they perceived as risky, they, they were selling and their yields were going up. That's another uh, vote of no confidence in the economy, especially think of oil bonds. In this whole thing, oil prices have crashed. Some really, really uh, highly leveraged oil companies are are going to go out of business even. They can't make money at these prices. So the yields on their bonds skyrocketed while the yields for government bonds fell. It's all a sign of no confidence. So when we talk about the high yield bonds, some people also refer to those as junk bonds, but basically they're the loans tied to the, what people perceive to be the riskiest companies. Um, they're trading with these very high yields. The treasury bonds are trading, treasury bonds, which are basically loans from the US government. The, the spread between the two are, are huge right now. What it, pe people look at that spread too, right? Yeah, the, that, that spread is a, is a real barometer. It's, it's telling you that people have no confidence in riskier companies being able to pay their debts. And so they'll resort to lending their money at a very, very low interest rate to Uncle Sam because they, they, they're scared. Right. Got it. 
And of course, that's largely also because no one has any confidence in the stock market. Yes. Well, the stock market and junk bond markets are sort of like uh, first cousins. It's both you, you're, you're not you're not totally guaranteed a return if if uh, the if the world is good and profits are good and everybody's uh, making money, both of those do well. If not, both of those do poorly. Right. All right. So I want to ask you, taking your 40 years of perspective here, um, and I, I really don't know where you're going to come out on this. Um, we're in really dark, uncharted times, as you've said. Do you see reason for hope. Do you think the government can figure this out from a financial standpoint? I guess, you know, from a health standpoint, obviously, it's a different question. Where where are we headed? Well, you know, uh, that's sort of like asking uh, Noah when, uh, you know, the first few raindrops started coming down. Well, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the proverbial 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, and eventually, uh, in the ark, uh, Noah did uh, see a, a, a dove eventually when uh, the floods receded. Sometime later this year, I think it, it will abate and uh, we will be able to get back to something like normal and the crisis will pass. Now, will people be broke and not have any money to spend after a long period of maybe just getting checks from the government and, and being out of work? Or will people have what's called pent-up demand? They've been waiting. Maybe they were, they were going to buy a car or maybe they, they were looking to buy a house or uh, do renovations or so forth. And they've been waiting till, till everything, the sky starts to clear and things come roaring back. Um, I think it, it will clear, but uh, it's going to be uh, not the same as uh, when we were going in. As he said before, the economy was really robust just before this hit. I think it'll come back, but uh, what a lot of people like to call a V-shaped recovery, sharp down and, and a sharp turnaround back, I don't think that's going to happen. So it'll end, but uh, I think the recovery will be a lot slower because I think just this is just going to shake us to the core, e even more than, say, after 9-11. Yeah. Because 9-11, as a New Yorker, changed the way everybody felt, that, less so the rest of the country. This is happening to the whole world. At once. Exactly. Yeah. Randy, you mentioned September 11th. I lived through that in New York as well. And of course, it was, I guess until now, the, certainly the scariest time of my life. What's the difference? You mentioned beyond just who it affects. What, what, what did 9-11 do and where are we now? I think 9-11 shook the confidence of, of everybody uh, that something bad could really happen uh, uh, on U.S. shores, and that uh, we couldn't all, we, all of a sudden our lives changed from all the different security things to uh, having to, to worry about uh, terrorism as we never did before. Now, again, I think this is going to change the way we live uh, even after... Uh, the virus recedes, and I think it will make people less confident to do things. And maybe after a couple of years and the economy does come back, people will be have more confidence. Confidence is the key for any economy. If you're not confident, you're not going to spend. If you're not confident, you're not going to start a business and hire somebody. 
So I think this is just going to make people more apprehensive. It's a, it's a kind of a nebulous term, and you can't put a number on it, but I don't know if people are going to be as willing to go out and take risks. Another example is the Great Depression. The people who lived through that, they, the rest of their lives, they were never that confident. They were much more frugal. They, they always were kind of looking over their shoulder, could this happen again? Yeah, I mean, it's a scary thought, but it also really rings true. Um, and it's just so important to, to point out that it's all about confidence. Uh, we can talk about every metric we want in the market and every piece of valuation and price, but you're right, it all comes down to confidence. Well, Randy, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad we got to have you on and we will definitely have you back to talk about this. Your, your perspective is just so unique. So thanks very much. I would really enjoy that. Thanks so much. You can read Randy's Up and Down Wall Street column every week in Barron's Magazine. And, of course, we're covering the coronavirus crisis minute by minute on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoft. The Readback will return next week.